Hit the lights. You've discovered the Half Watt Podcast. We want to educate and entertain by tapping into the most trusted source of new technology, the ones installing and innovating it. You, the tradespeople that build from the ground up. Join us as we talk with industry leaders, veteran contractors, and even some young blood. Welcome aboard. This is Mike Brooks, your host. And today we're interviewing Gary Youngberg. Welcome aboard, Gary. Thank you, Mike. So Gary uh, hails from uh, Performance Systems. He's an ISET level four. He's a, an EST3 guru. And, uh, and in all actuality, he's what we call a systems integrator. And uh, I uh, am super excited that you're here, Gary. And I would like you to give me some of your history because I know you've only been in fire a couple of years. Uh, yeah. So tell I'm us, sure. tell us, tell us a little bit about your history and and in, and in which century you started at fire alarm work. Uh, so technically, yes, last century, seventy uh, seven. Uh, that's was that, nineteen. Was that oh. That's nineteen. It was nineteen seventy seven. Okay. Um, yeah, I uh, basically I finished high school in Libby, Montana real quick and uh, that, that's not a real place it, it is it's okay. beautiful it's god's country but <laughs> you could either pull green chain or work in the vermiculite line, mines zone light wr grace really yeah, yeah that was the two things to do unless you owned a business and i worked for a chevy dealer i was supposed to become a mechanic they're uh-huh. going to send me to tiger to the gm school when it was here and the service oh, the, well the one that's off in 99 that used to be off or, 99 yeah yeah exactly. yeah, yeah. They're out of 99, yeah so i was going to come there while the Service manager got transferred and went to Alaska, and then the owners of the company just wanted me to clean detail cars, do oil changes. Um, I knew I could do more than that, so I... You got a hope. My dad got me started at ADT in San Jose, 1977. I was a grunt. In San Jose, huh? San no Jose. No kidding. Yeah, I went to the big city. It was a shock, culture shock for me. Never been there. So from Libby, Montana to San Jose, California. Mm-hmm. Correct. <laughs> it was not fun. <laughs> Uh, first thing I did was build shelves, material handling, mm-hmm. and then they sent me to fire school in San Francisco for ADT. Oh. Uh, we had this old guy there, had one eye, kind of went off the far side, he was from England, talked kind of funny, and he taught fire alarm class. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking like fire alarm now, like you and I teach, I'm talking drilling risers, tapping PIVs, uh, grinding oh, the oh, little, no, real, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. real installation, grinding the little dip in an OS and Y. So, you so can I, s- I want everybody to notice that what Gary's talking about are sprinkler sprinkler yes. installations. And that is a big bugaboo of mine, is to get LEAs in Oregon to start being unafraid mm-hmm. of water. So go ahead, I'm sorry. I'm no, you're fine. You. No, it's a good catch. And so that's what we learned how to do. This guy had a big 24-inch brass fire bell mm-hmm. and you never knew what i was looking at you with but after lunch <laughs> and he warned you he said after lunch you guys try and fall asleep on me he'd mash the button and man that that bell just waked the living dead and i finally got like the third day i could tell that look in one of the eyes that he was going to mash the button you kind of look around somebody start not off they hit the button but you know we did everything um back then not the adt of today but back then adt was a lot like uh Integrators like PSI, some of the other manufacturers here won't name the competition, of course, but they did parts and smarts. Mm-hmm. The electricians would pull all the wire, the ADT techs would come in and they'd commission the system. Mm-hmm. Of course, we're talking four wires back then, McCullough circuits, break the teeth off on the code wheels to, wow. yeah. to actually address yeah. the place. Wow. Yeah. Um, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. You broke the teeth off yeah. and you had to break off the, the you had to count like, for three, one, two, you'd count threes, break oh. a tooth off, count one, break a tooth off, count two, and then break students, the rest off. So I show my students the pull stations. I've got a, I got mm-hmm. hey, one Gamewell pull station that's yeah. a per, my personal one I own that you pull down and, and it's got the little wheel and it's still. Okay, so. But that's that's not the McCullough loop, but that's just yeah. the pull station so, coded. But it hooked to a McCullough loop probably. It probably did. So It's older than me. Fun fact, I've actually installed a Gamewell pull box. No, no kidding. Uh, it was in Watsonville, <clears throat> California, circa 1978 or 79. You had to order it from Warren Oliver. They were 1900 bucks back then. Wow. And it took six and a half to eight weeks to get because they're all custom built. So Watsonville had auxiliary service where this mm-hmm. the fire station actually ran the wires all throughout Watsonville and would drop them down the pole where you no had to kidding. mount the box. 
and then you would hook your fire alarm system in the building uh-huh. up to that box on the pole. I did one of those in no my lifetime. Kidding. Yeah. So you've actually installed one of these. Here I am telling all my students I was only on the East Coast, and then come okay. to find out it's yeah. I'm just a big fat liar. Um, you just know. You just didn't know what you didn't know. <laughs> well, you know, and I do point out that when you're driving in Portland and you go by by the Lloyd Center, you go across 21st Street, the mm-hmm. bridge that goes across the Banfield. Right. If right when it comes to the south side, it splits. That's the retransmission. That's the retransmission site. It says a fire alarm telegraph. Yep. Yeah. I remember seeing that when I first moved up here. So I didn't work on that though. Yeah. So anyway, I uh, worked on places like Peter Paul. They make the candy in Salinas. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so everything was McCullough when I started, you know, coded transmitters. Um, I actually bought a boat, rowboat, okay, but a boat on the overtime from going out and rewinding water flow transmitters. No kidding. Yeah, because it was weird. In San Jose, the maintenance department didn't want to work overtime. Mm-hmm. I was young, hungry, installations wanted to learn. Let's go out. You get four hours to drive out, hit a hit a transmitter with a with a skate key. It's basically yeah. a squared off yeah. key that you open the box, you turn in, you wind the transmitter, and boom, it's reset. And you're good reset. to go. And you get four hours so, minimum. So for everybody who doesn't follow what we're talking about, there's a motor that you have to has a, a spring in it, and you rewind it, and it has to do a minimum of three rounds. Mm-hmm. And so once that's tripped, you have to have a special key to open it up to then rewind Correct. the moat, rewind the spring. Yeah. And that way, it's it's armed for when yep. the water flows. It was a mechanical device; water would flow. The little catch, kind of like a pawl, would go out of the way after the timer ran out. You know, your yeah. delay on the on the re, it's called a retard, not disparaging just mm-hmm. that's what it's called retard and it would the vein would move from water and it would disconnect and then there was a pneumatic chamber in there that wouldn't allow the other piece to disengage until a certain amount of time which was typically anywhere from 30 to 90 seconds whatever and that would save from having to go rewind that transmitter all the time so those those ADT water flow switches mm-hmm. and uh, and the plunger style tampers mm-hmm. are still in service. I've still I mean I've still I've worked on them, mm-hmm. and you know and they look like they look like they're armored. I mean they really look like an armored the, box, the, the, especially the, the water flow switches. The, the old ADT equipment when ADT made it, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not going to disparage them, but they just changed when they sold out and got bought out. But the old place, you know, my dad worked for them for many years, and that's mm-hmm. how I got it. That stuff was almost bulletproof. Yeah, it really was. It, uh, in fact, as you recall, when I joined at PSI, they sent me right out to a place in Milwaukee that I had serviced when I worked for ADT, and those plunger switches are still there, yeah. and I had changed a couple yep. out. Yep, I remember that that exact place. <clears throat> and, yeah, I spent literally 24 hours in a row troubleshooting that because it's all black wire. Yep, yep goes around the whole building and it's supposed to go clockwise according to ADT standard back then but somebody had wired it counterclockwise I did not know that it's supposed so, to go clockwise so when I'm out there troubleshooting I'm going clockwise from the DMARC <laughs> and it was the second to the last place uh, had I gone counterclockwise it'd been the second been thing the I second found second thing you did if you thought backwards well you're in Portland I don't know what you're thinking well it was Milwaukee yeah it was Milwaukee yeah. so but go up yeah so you know it I kind of jumped around, but you know, I started out in the Bay Area. I got the trade. I've worked at places like Lockheed, you know, mm-hmm. where you can't even go to the restroom alone. Um, all kinds of neat things, and then it's that way at Facebook too. So don't feel bad. Yeah, um, <laughs> I had to be. I worked there for three and a half years on their equipment. I was escorted every single time I went anywhere mm-hmm. except in the visitors area. Yeah, I finally Not got... Not in the restroom, for yeah. those of you who are counting, just to the restroom. No, you okay. when you work at Lockheed... They if, take you in the restroom. If you do not have a secret clearance yeah. or cleared, yeah, you leave the... If you have to go, you know, number two, that you leave the door well, open you know and they that, stand there. You know that your COO's wife works there. She wow. she works at in the Skunk Works there. Oh, wow. So David's wife actually works for... In Sunnyvale, she actually works for Lockheed, Lockheed. And, and, is a, and is a like a Skunk Works engineer, yeah. Oh, it's wow. It's pretty good. Yeah, he really... He doesn't know what she does. <laughs> um, but, yeah. That same thing happened to me. My son got transferred to Kirtland in mm-hmm. Albuquerque, and all he can tell me is he works for the Air Force now. Yeah, I sweep runways. That's all you can say. <laughs> and so it's like, okay. Uh, when my wife was alive, she asked uh, often. She'd try and circle around. Honey, quit asking him the question. Exactly. He works for the Air Force. Yep. Stop it. He can't talk to you. 
but I digress. So um, back to, so anyway, I worked in California from 77 to 85. Okay. Um, I excelled at things. Uh, ADT, I got it, come out with a new line that was uh, electronic addressable. And I, I just took to it. And the next thing you know, I was uh, a regional training manager at 26 oh, no years old. Wow. So I went from, you know, grunt to tech to lead tech. Uh, my first big job was an old Edwards 5307 mm -hmm. at IBM. They called it Silver City. It was in South San Jose. It was beautiful. It was something like you would see on a sci-fi movie, all silver buildings. Oh, no kidding. It was an aluminum clad. And they had this gigantic courtyard and underneath that was the data center. Oh, wow. And I had to run smoke detectors, all kinds of stuff. Their conduit, I must have run, I think the first batch of conduit we bought was 15,000 feet. And I had never bent conduit in my life. I bet you did after that. I know how to bend conduit now after that. Um, and they had uh, the old key punch machines. Oh, yeah. No, I've seen those. And then those. they had the tape drives. And yep. then they had the new section yep. where they had the 12-inch platters, stack of nine or ten of them mm -hmm. would go in the big machine when they first started getting digital. But the thing about that is when I was in that facility, it was all secret. I had to get special clearance. When you lift the ceiling tile up, those beams, those I-beams were literally five or six feet thick because that... Because the courtyard, courtyard sure. had trees and grass and dirt. Wow. It, you would, if you didn't know, you couldn't tell there's anything underneath. Huh. And that's the one thing in this job over these couple of years I've been doing it is the neat stuff I've been able to see. Yeah. Uh, put a, a sound system, uh, speakers, you know, in a Palmasan winery in Soledad. Mm -hmm. um, actually had somebody steal my wire. We got pulled off, and we get back at the winery. At the winery, somebody stole the wire. Five hundred dollar bottle of wine. How much? And your school? The, well, no, these were the big redwood vats, the humongous wow. oh, yeah. redwood vats. Those are hard to get in your car. Uh, yeah, they're they're really tough. And uh, if you're not paying attention, you know, you never want to stick your head in one of those things when they're cleaning it out because they use some pretty caustic stuff. And oh, caustic soda. And nowadays, stuff. they would probably not even let you get there. Um, you know, and some of the some of the things. Installing obviously were way safer today than when I was doing this. Yeah, thank goodness. Yeah, and I've only been in the trade probably half as long as you have, and that and it's I can it's definitely been an, an improvement. Yeah, I a vast improvement. I won't talk about some of the things I've done on the job that I would never do today. Yeah. Um, I just count myself lucky. Me too. It's like vault vault entry. Uh, yes, when we I talked was, about yeah, that today. I, yeah, when I did my first when I first was doing the thing. I was like, I was in a vault. I'm thinking, I was 22 feet in, and I'm like, this is Whoa. dumb. This is, yeah. and, and of course, it was in it was in Washington at the time, and I was like, what am I doing in here? Like, when was that? When I was in the Navy, I knew yeah. gas free. I would never go into a void with that yeah. wasn't gas freed by by a tech. So, and here I am, and I I came out of it. and I went, I'm not going to do this anymore. And so the, the other guy went in, and I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, okay. If I didn't want to go in, you shouldn't go in either. And then I went back to the uh, office, and I said. You know this is not right. We should get some sort of sniffing equipment, and mm -hmm. and 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 they had they had just sold two scuba pieces mm -hmm. of you know not the yeah. kind to dive with the other kind. Mm -hmm. And he goes, "Well, put one of these in your van and wear that." Right. And I looked at it, and, and I'd never even I'd worn OBAs in the military, yeah. but not this. Like I hadn't. This was the, the tank, like the firemen wear. Right. I'm like, oh, I could really hurt myself with this. I, I you know, no. Yeah. And so I just stopped going in, and I was seriously. Like tripping the tampers from outside mm -hmm. the vault just because I thought, well, this is this is ludicrous. And then when I, I uh, subsequently, you know, went to work for OHSU and because uh, I was working at, mm -hmm. at one company with OHSU and then left. And then when I went to the uh, uh, United Fire after OHSU, that's where they taught me how to do backflows. And yeah. you were like, you know, here is your this is your. We had Crocon at the time. This is your gas-free meter, and you do not do anything without it. And 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 sure enough, man, I I hit a I hit a bad vault. I hit a bad vault with uh, hydrogen sulfide. No, um, yeah, I think it was high. I can't count how lucky I am. You know how yeah. many vaults I was in in San Jose, <clears throat> the Bay Area, grinding, mm -hmm. grinding those stems, the OS and Y to mount the devices. I mean, it just we didn't we didn't just, think about it. It just got in. I mean, it was like unbelievable some yeah. of the risks. You know, but one of my old bosses told me, "You don't know what you don't know." Yeah, you don't. Um, good grief. Yeah.
So after send, so after ADT, so your regional manager at ADT, or I'm sorry, regional trainer at ADT, then. So what happened was uh, a, a guy I'd worked with with ADT had moved to Portland, and he was a service manager here, run a service mm -hmm. department. And I had just gotten married, and we were looking around. Inflation was oh shoot, back in those days, it was like eighteen or nineteen percent, mm -hmm. and houses were already astronomical back then in the Bay Area. And I, I was just looking at it. I'm like never afford to buy a house even if my my wife at the time worked we were never going to buy a house and um, so I started looking to transfer and mm -hmm. of course they wanted to send me straight to Seattle which is like out of the pan into the fire yeah really. overcrowding high right. price lots of traffic horrible and rain <clears throat> and no I like the rain I don't do hot I had a heat stroke at four years old so I just don't do oh, hot. so yeah I am I can't deal with hot so there was Portland and there was my old guy I had worked with Ron. So I called them. They didn't have anything. And so we kept working, working. And finally, they made a spot. Mm -hmm. I could come be a repairman. I was like, well, you know, I can, I can install. I can teach them to install. You know, I did repairs on call uh, when I was in San Jose on it. And sure. so I came up and was starting in 85. I moved here in 85. <clears throat> Pardon me. And I was at the repair department in at the Portland ADT when it was mm -hmm. on Hancock before mm -hmm. they moved everything. And then went to some more training and I became the central station tech. So I maintained the computer, oh, wow. all the batteries, the power supplies, the LaMarches. So all you the, did all the UL testing, oh, the yeah. twice a year UL testing and yep. the compliance. And, I, and yeah. I had to take and draw the acid out of those 2000 amp hour yeah. batteries. And it has to be one third down from the top. So you get a good sample of the acid no with your hydrometer and then you have to log it. No kidding, I did not know that. Yeah. I, I, all I know about central stations was from what Dimitri Bajor taught me yeah. in, at CSM. Yeah. And uh, and that was brief, but you know he was like my my go-to guy. And then one of his technicians that that yeah. works for him when I was working at PSI, I would call him all the time, and yeah. he would help me kind of get my head wrapped around all their stuff. And man, those guys are they uh, that you, you could eat off the floor. Yeah. In well, CSM. ours was wasn't that way. I had to get it that way. You didn't eat off the floor at your place. No. Uh, <laughs> but we also had the computer, and the first computer I worked on was called an Intel three thirty. Had an eight and a half inch floppy. Wow. And you had to boot it twice to get it to start because eight and a half inch, that eight was, and a half inch that floppy was the original, drive. Man. That's the original. It yeah. was. Um, but fun fact, I actually worked. I also part of why I was the central station tech here in Portland is because I helped when they expanded the one in San Jose. So I had oh. got central station knowledge because it. It, it all made sense to me, and you know, I was yeah. always eager to learn. And fun fact about a central station I worked at once. This guy came over from the East Coast, and you're never supposed to have two doors open on a central station, ever. <clears throat> I did not know that. No, that's why they have the man trap or the sally port. Okay. And so you open one door, close it, then the other one can be opened. And typically, most central stations don't even have keys because there's always supposed to be someone in there. That makes sense. Well, this one happened to have a storage room off the back, and some guy turned into his office. <laughs> and then UL guy came in the back door. <laughs> oh, no. On UL inspection, and this guy was kind of arrogant. He's from the back. He's had his feet up, propped up on the table, and the old guy goes, uh, "Well, you know, I just walked right in here, and uh, I could do this or do that, whatever. And uh, you know, you're gonna fail." And this guy reaches in his drawer, grabs a six-inch bull barrel 357 Magnum, <laughs> holds it up, and he says, "No, you won't. I'll blow your blankety blank brains out." And uh, he passed. I bet. I <laughs> he bet. passed. But, you know, I was like, wow. <laughs> um, and then, of course, corporate sent down an edict that he shouldn't do that anymore. <clears throat> but that was back in, you know, back in the, probably the 80s, hmm. early 80s. Did you guys have a lot of stew accounts back then? Oh, the stews. Oh, the, so for oh. those of you who don't know what a stew is, oh, a stew you're is, killing a, me. is a subscriber <laughs> terminal unit. It's like oh. a... No, Scan alert. Yeah, isn't that like a dry line that just has a modem on it that just always no, talks to no, the, the beauty. So the beauty of stews, mm -hmm. and basically they turned into DSL. Oh, okay, they, so that's so, the They technology. sold off the stew technology to DSL. So what happened is, as you remember, everything was a, quote, dialer, a right. digital alarm communicator transmitter, uh, DAC, and lots and lots of homes were run by DACs. Okay. Well, eventually the bad guys figured out, we cut the phone line, boom. And, you Speak know, right the, in. and... It was weird because some of the people live in the 
higher end districts would buy the cheapest alarm system and then you know you get caught and they you know you go out to service tech find out why it failed and they're screaming and yelling at you because mm -hmm. you know they so the phone company developed this do or the scan alert technology and it's superimposed over the phone line okay you know it's not we didn't have cell phones back then we had phone lines mm -hmm. hard copper and so and it was always polling mm -hmm. so then you would know if somebody clipped a line and it was funny because it was people super would, fast i know, oh, it was very I know fast. every time i worked on one it was like about it's the time now. i touched it they yeah, already knew it they already knew yeah. so it was funny how the griping from the customer would go from phone lines getting taken away when i'm trying to talk to my daughter or whatever so then that quit happening but it would make a high-pitched squeal sometimes mm -hmm. when it was sending the, the response and Makes they sense. would complain and whine and snivel about that thing it's like we can go back to the way it was then if you'd like and it'll take your phone line away for five minutes i i wasn't real popular because i call you know i call things like they are and it that's funny though. i've learned to even as i speak here i'm learning to tailor how i respond or even some of these stories but, I've had to obviously clean up for it's, here. It, it, it's what makes it's what makes you unique and and yeah. me unique in the industry. And in that yeah. in that we are old timers, really. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, we are the old timers. We looked at all the guys because all the guys I knew from Simplex, like Marty Middaw and I, Bob I remember Tavernia, that name. And all these guys that are you know rich and all those guys that hate Rich Humbert and they're all gone, retired, dead, what have you. And and it's I like know. and that's it. You know, you're like there 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 was the the your I mean, there were guys at Simplex I met, Bob Brown would be a good example, who uh, were just phenomenal technicians. Yeah. I mean, Stan Ferguson, I'm thinking yeah. of, I'm just, they're all popping in my head mm -hmm. right now. And their personalities and what you picked up from them, mm -hmm. um, you know, you you carried that in. And yeah. and it was, it's a, it's part of the culture that we've we've grown accustomed to. It's, it's what we are. I had know? a supervisor's name was doc he he may still be alive but he'd be very old and he would just grunt in the morning mm -hmm. and you'd come in and say good morning what's good about it? so i i figured it out i didn't ever say good morning i'd either say morning or something and uh, shoot one time i came in he's like i go morning dog and, goes, <laughs> and then we had it out i screamed and yelled at him that day i said mm -hmm. look you don't have to say good whatever but if i come in looking for work and you're my supervisor you owe me a dispatch or you know, yeah, tell me what sense. I'm going to do. Sure. I don't care what kind of night you had or whatever. I had a bad one myself. And it was funny. After I did that to him, then it was, he was just one of the ones you had to just yeah. like get in his face sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, not so much of this, I'll call HR and give the code word or whatever. It was just like, hey, knock it off. I'm a human being too. I, yeah, I've, I've run into those before because <laughs> of some of the some of the grouchier people and, mm -hmm. then, and if you snap at them then they're not like best of buds like yeah, okay exactly. you know <laughs> but so so after so you worked in a central station well i was that was another job my full job was doing repairs that's oh how, so you that's did how, that on top of it that was on top of it wow so i you know i've always done a lot of things mm -hmm. um i try to get all the training i can get us uh, even to this day you know do the math August 27, 1977 was my first day starting this industry. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when that comes up here in 2022, you run the math. It's been a long doggone time. Yeah. But it's still, after all these years, it's still exciting. I'm still learning new things. Mm -hmm. uh, as I get older, I don't retain it as much as I used to. Automatically, I have to write things down, which is very annoying because I used to just memorize stuff by accident. Now I have to actually write it down. <clears throat> And then some of the stuff I've been through this last year, my mind's kind of. Oh yeah, your mind will be. So your I'm, mind will I'm, be mush after I'm that. making adjustments. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm making adjustments. But. Yeah, you're, you're doing it's. So once you so you you, you did the the ADT up here and then worked at a central station and it was an ADT central station. It was an ADT owned central station. We had 135 of them. Mm -hmm. We had McCullough Circuit. So one of my projects to consolidate central stations is I had to convert all the systems that were using copper phone lines to some other means of transmission. Either mm -hmm. we had what was called direct wire, which had to go away because it was a copper wire from the central station out to the device and then back. Mm -hmm. It could go about 30 miles was the limit because, you know, it's 26 gauge. But they were able to push 130 volts, about wow. 30 miles out and back. And then we had what's now like IP, but it was called open window bridge AC transmission. So it was an FSK mm -hmm. type signal. 
and everybody was sitting on this bridge and every panel could hear every other panel talking, but they only responded when talked to. Hmm. It so was, it was like really early networking. Yeah, really. it was really early networking. Yeah. It was uh, more affordable and faster because everybody heard everybody. Mm -hmm. The problem was if somebody talked out of turn, the whole thing would drop. So you'd lose 63 subscribers, boom. Uh, the, we had that in the Bay Area. What they had here was called Morse, mm -hmm. closed window bridge. So that was the benefit there is if somebody went offline, eh, don't care, you can turn them off. The problem is it's slow because the, the polar would have to ask the terminal, hey, I want to talk to you, mm -hmm. open, the, open the door. Mm -hmm. And then the terminal So it's more of a token ring type yeah, system. Yeah, so then it, it opened the door and then it interrogated it. Mm -hmm. And then it'd talk back, and then it'd have to tell it, close the door, we're done. Mm -hmm. Well, that added time. Yeah. And But if one went bad, you could just quit talking to them. Yeah. The open window bridge was like within like a second. It pulled three times a second. Wow. So, and I set those up, and, and you, had, uh, you had two different frequencies, bands, transmit and receive, and the phone company, for love or money, could never get it right. They'd either have... The filters in for the same, like it transmit at 1075 to 1375 and respond from 2025 to 2225. Holy, where'd that come yeah, from? Yeah, that's pretty damn where did good that come for from? a guy who hasn't touched it in, <laughs> wow. in that many years, but, since 86. Yeah, I've all that had to go away because it relied on copper, mm -hmm. you know, and now you see where we're at with wireless. And so that was my project. And that one building we talked about was one of the ones I had to get off of McCullough lines onto any other transmission. So we did a lot of DACs. Because back then that was the thing to go to, and they moved to that because Honeywell was using those little tiny orange. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they were. They were yeah. super fast. Yeah. But when I first got in the industry, two thousand and like Simplex two thousand and ones was a really common fire mm -hmm. panel, and the and the dialer in it was this little orange Brick. thing that said Honeywell. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know what it did because I was I was new to the industry, but I knew that that I I called Honeywell so often to put stuff in tests there in Minnesota. That there, I knew all five of the operators, yeah. and one of them knew me well enough that when she came out to Portland, she was going to come visit me, and I had to explain that to my ex. I'm like, okay, so this person's like going to show up in there, and I, I don't really know exactly who she was, but, and, uh, <laughs> but it was, so, I, so we became close enough that I didn't need any passcodes, so I'd call up and say, "Hi, it's Mike. Okay, what do you want in test? This one, you know, and this yeah. is before UL said, you know, yeah. thou shalt." take you shall put passcodes on everything yeah. and mm -hmm. you know for that reason because people yeah. like me would you know any oh. idiot could call up and put stuff in tests so yeah but um anyway, so, you, those days. so what did you do after the central station gig so uh i, I became what uh, was called a system service tech mm -hmm. um which is like a specialized technician it's not just a regular installer repair person it's just like you're you're the one uh it's like a local when your techs can't get anything figured out, you're the go-to guy. Got it. So I'd gone to school. Um, we had a computer system out. It's called Cotter & Company on 181st and Gleason or 181st. It's out there in Gresham. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a data general. Tiny, it was a huge box because ADT liked their big box. Tiny little computer. No memory at all. Literally, you had three steps to start it up when it crashed. You had to enter the start and stop addresses of every code, and it was in octal, so it's zeros oh. and sevens. And that code was like two pages long. And I lived about 40 miles from there. And I had typed that code in so many times that they would call. I'd call the local tech here in town. The guy's name was Dave. He'd drive out there, call me on the phone, and at 2 in the morning, I'd just, I'd just bark out those codes no, he says two pages of start and stop addresses for the executive oh program. God. So you'd load that. Then you had to load the operating program. Mm -hmm. And then when that was done, if everything was fine, you could load the database. The problem was it was a battery-powered tape drive. Oh. You oh. have one shot, and then you oh. had to wait 19 hours for the tape drive to recharge. Finally got the boss to buy an AC one because you could not leave the charger plugged in, charging the battery, trying to run the tape drive because it was too noisy and would corrupt everything. So remember the movie War Games with yeah, that kid? Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. That came out about the time I took care of this machine. The number one thing this machine would do, it's called a Central Scan 100, the number one thing it would do if anything went sideways was crash. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm like watching war games going, this is stupid, a thing will crash. You can't type that in twice, it'll crash. <laughs> and I don't know if it's a safety thing, but that's how that central scan was. Anything out of line, it, its default was crash mm -hmm. and you got to reload the program. I bought a boat up here with that. <laughs> Another rowboat, but that's fine. So yeah, so I, I did that. So when I got done with ADT, um, it was about 93. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the guys I worked with, Scott had gone to work for a little company called ESL, mm -hmm. Central ESL. And you know, Central was a local company that was started up by, oh shoot, I can't remember the names. But anyway, they sold alarm switches and then they bought out ESL, which was a smoke detector manufacturer mm -hmm. and panel manufacturer. And asked me if I wanted to do tech support. Well, it'd be different. And you know, it was a heck of a pay increase. Um, and all I had to do is answer the phone. Yeah. 14,000 yeah. calls a year. Oh, and ESL was, was some of the ESL equipment was, was really dynamite. I some, of it was, it, some of it was not. I can tell a true story about that. It's not out of school. So I took the job um, and as things would all work out, the first wife, we'd had three kids and she decided she was done with kids, even though she had to have them. And next thing I know, I'm a single dad of three children, Oh, six, yeah. five, and three. But I had this job that I knew what time I'd start and I knew what time I'd be home. Mm -hmm. And it, it did well. Um, so that was, I was uh, salaried at that job. And so the, we were uh, set to get a bonus one year. Mm -hmm. It was two digits, I mean, percent wise. Mm -hmm. It was gonna be five digits in my bank account, which I thought Yay. was just, you know, really, really good. Yeah, that's in the early 90s, yeah. Yeah, it was really good. It was like 94, 95, whatever year it was. They just came out with this brand new detector. It was really, really cool. Had uh, replaceable optics to change the mm -hmm. sensitivity back to the factory, and it was just going like gangbusters. We had a recall December 18th or 22nd. It was either right, just so close to the close of business. We were all on track for this humongous course it didn't happen because recall mm -hmm. happened and you know forget it um so this, that wasn't on the 449 product yeah it was the four oh, that was the, the 400 the, the, the 400 the 449 429 449 yeah. yeah oh my god so we had that big oh, recall wow. and and we were trying to find a way to just just bump it out to january 1 or whatever and of course yeah. they couldn't because you know it's it, it's the wrong thing to do and, and yeah. we we worked for a really good company then so what happened was all said and done, nobody got the bonus, everybody's crying. I was too, because it's like, wow, first time I'm good for a bonus, but here yeah. it is, no bonus. The particular VP at that particular time lobbied with the executive board and got us all a week's pay. Nice. Now understand, by plan, we were entitled to zero dollars. Mm -hmm. So you got us a week's pay. So I got that email, and it was pretty cool, so I'm typing up an email. Say thank you, because that's mm -hmm. what you're taught. Someone sure. does your right, you say thank you. And I almost didn't send it. And I finally said, no, it's right. So I sent it. Next thing, my boss, Robert's like, Gary, what's going on? What are you talking about? Sid's coming up to talk to you. What did you do this time? Because, you know, I was kind of outspoken. And, <clears throat> mm -hmm. you know, I had one or two chats with the boss. And Sid was an imposing man. He was like 6'5". He had gone through West Point. He's, you know, Mr. Youngberg, stand up. What? And he... I stood up and I'm like, oh, and Robert's just, he's, you can tell he's just, and Sid reached out, grabbed my hand, about ripped my arm off, shaking my hand. He goes, you know, you are the only person in this entire company that sent a thank you no kidding. email out of 523 people. <laughs> wow. And I was like, what? No. And then I tried to downplay. I was like, well, Sid, I was kind of worried I'd be thought a brown <laughs> nose or whatever. He said, it doesn't matter what you thought, you did it. He nice. says, you don't and it know. was the right thing to do. And he says, you don't know what we had to go through just to get you guys out. Thank you for sending that email. Nice. So, you know, I mean, whether it's $100 or whether it's a week's pay, it doesn't matter. Mm. You, you say be thank nice you. to your boss. Be, yeah. You know, they did something for you. Remember that, kids. Oh. Um, so anyway, um, so then about five years of that, I was done. Yeah. Um, and uh, you probably know him from Simplex, Keith. Um, Actually, I don't. Okay, I, I, maybe was only, I, was I was there prior. for like a four-year stint, and okay, then I, yeah. I, I worked adjacently with him at, at OHSU, but mostly uh, mostly just like yeah. you know, a couple of techs. So he'd moved on to Lannison Gear at mm -hmm. the time, and 
you know, asked me if I'd come over to work there. And I thought, yeah, that'd be cool. You know, and I was, you know, I'd got remarried by then. And mm -hmm. uh, it, it just, I was done sitting. And, and I could see it was kind of like the training manager job. I could see it was a dead end. Yeah. Um, because what's the first budget most companies cut when things get tight? Training. training. Um, what's the budget they're going to do? They're either going to send the calls over overseas to a call yep. center. They don't want people, you know, we all had to be nice at certified. You know, I had the most field experience. If you took all the other three techs together, added up their field experience, I had them hands down mm -hmm. because, you know, I'd been in the field. That's how I landed the job because I'd been in the field. But then it just got... 14,000 calls a year got tough. That's a lot. It's yeah, just, that's, uh, and then you had to do other things in between the calls, which, yeah. you know, yeah. you know how that works. So I took the job at Landis and Gear, mm -hmm. uh, Landis and Stafa, and Keith, ironically, about four weeks later or whatever, he went back to Central ESL. Really? Tech support. Yeah. He, I think for his family, it wasn't working because, mm -hmm. you know, our industry, uh, you worked at PSI where you work now, you, Go home when it's fixed. Yeah. If you're conscientious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, unless you happen to land a job, you can go home after eight hours. But, you know, it's like it's. But if it's not fixed, you don't go home. Well, here's the thing. It's like I tell the kids and, and the guys and, and it gets repeated now. Getting up early in fire alarm just guarantees you a long day. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, no, you're right. Out at that big plant, I, yeah, you're right. I'd start at 3.30 and sometimes I didn't go home till 10.30 the next morning. No, I don't. I don't do early get somebody else to do it i'll work all night but i'm not going in early if yeah. i can help i get it, it. so the landis so landis gear because i always saw it as landis gear Landis landis gear powers landis gear powers it Day, was oh landis, they had all these names that oh, kept for crying out loud and then even after siemens bought them mm -hmm. it was siemens industry siemens industry and city siemens says siemens it's like just just pick a name and stay with it why keep changing the name oh. but it's it's a corporate so thing. Is that how you got into Edwards then? Was through That's Anderson how I got Garrett? into Edwards. Because I saw, there's still, down in OSU, there's still EST3 panels mm -hmm. that are labeled Anderson Gear, Gear. or Anderson yeah. Power. Yeah, so that, that that part would be something like a SIGA-PS-LG, Landison mm -hmm. Gear. And even when it said Siemens on the badge of the smoke detector, mm -hmm. the part number was still SIGA-PS-LG. Of course, now that's all gone because the SIGAs are uh, you know being replaced and with the new ones. But that's how I got an EST, and they okay. sent me to school six times in short order. I went to Florida like six times in one year, yeah. And it just rang for me that some people hate the way that thing programs, but mm -hmm. it makes sense to me, right? It it's just something. But but you never but you had already programmed. Had you programmed in C plus plus or had, were you familiar? I didn't so, even. So I was, didn't even. What is C plus plus? Right. Is that like a B minus? <laughs> so it was a brand new programming a, system. To it you. was to me. But if you were capable of working in octal yeah right i mean then well hexadecimal the, octal right but you knew the guts of of how uh the machine language was working because yeah. in, in the navy we had a system called ntds naval tactical mm -hmm. data system and if you were on a good modern ship it <laughs> had all kinds of wackadoodle things if you were not on a modern ship like the one of the ships i was on um I had to enter everything in octal, and it was a long string. Yeah. So like da 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 da, you know, and it, it wasn't like on a regular keyboard. It was on a it was on a keyboard that you could move fast. It had big Lexan fat buttons. Oh. And the numbers, I can't even describe. If anybody saw it, they'd go, well, "What's that? What is that?" You know. And and I had so I had to memorize these strings. Yeah. And so I sat between the two operators and. As a supervisor, it was my job to put this stupid thing in this machine. And then I had a guy in combat who would see that pop up on his screen, and then he can manipulate the data much more efficiently. So I got it in, and then he had the more modern systems to be able to control it. <laughs> I never even saw how he did what he did. Because you were busy punching all the buttons. I was too busy buttons. learning how to, as quick as I can, type, oh, it's terrible. It's a terrible job. I, I'm like, let me do anything but this. Anyway, so... So then you started learning the EST3 system, mm -hmm. and, and I'm I'm not familiar with it other than obviously managing people who'd worked yeah. on it, and I'm obviously familiar with with some of its skills, some of its its capabilities. But it's a pretty it's a pretty open, mm -hmm. you know, open architecture system. Yeah, I mean, you, you open up the box; it doesn't know if it's a toaster oven or a fire panel until you I, tell it what it is. That was a new thing because when I was at ADT, everything came down from yeah. corporate. It was pre pre. It fit their box. Yeah. Everything you did at AT fit their box, and you had all the rules and stuff. Well, EST had their rules. Of course, you go to the the you know certification schools, but 
literally you start up a brand new EST panel, it won't do diddly but look at yeah. you. Yeah, It'll it just look at you. And if you, you know, it was a new thing that if I don't tell that LED to turn on a certain way, it won't. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it just, it does, it's, it's like a smooth brain baby. You've got I, to teach I tell, it everything. I tell people today that, that if you, if you're working for a company that puts you to three school and you can learn how to program a three and you become good at it, there is not, there is no PLC on this planet that you're not going to be able to run. There's just no. not. Because even in the simplex world, you know, if you start up an ES, it's got, mm -hmm. it's got basic architecture built into it, but you just like any other system it's it's you got to you got to tell it how to do what it's going to do but it does know yeah. you know certain certain aspects well ironically when i worked for siemens for mm -hmm. what, oh, almost 23 years on and off uh, i up until the last three years i never touched the siemens panel really Cause, well because they said oh no because all you did was est yeah i did right. est at the airport and intel and i helped mm -hmm. at nike another guy did most of nike but i helped there and, uh, you know, when I went to the other panel and it was this drag and drop stuff and batch, old school computer batch files, but basically mm -hmm. scripts, if you will, and you drag this thing in and it wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. I'd call tech support one. Oh, well, here we have to. And they'd lift the curtain, you know, pull the curtain back, see what a little man's doing behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. And I'd tell him, no, I need that because it's you're giving me a product that's not working. I can't troubleshoot it's not working. Oh, no, you don't get to see that. Right. Whereas EST, if you program it wrong, it's going to work wrong. If you program it right, it works right. And you get to see everything. And mm -hmm. it's rare that the compiler ever lies to you. It has once in a great while when they've had a glitch. But, you know, um, it it worked. It just worked. And yeah. their, their uh, rules report could do that. Uh, the toughest challenge I've done is voice because there are some things you just have to, you have to know it's going to do it, but I found a way to write it down and build like a little block diagram for myself. Because again, if you don't tell the amplifier what channel to turn on, what message mm -hmm. to play, or you accidentally tell it to play two messages, the ASU, which is audio source unit, just kind of flies its fingers at you and does nothing. <laughs> and Or you get the default tone. Mm -hmm. um, and when you do a big place like, say, the airport, you do not want the wrong tones ever coming out right. on those speakers, right. ever. And it is it is telling that, that the Edwards product line, you know, is at the airport and at Intel and at Nike and all those places. Denver, DIA, it's there. Right. Denver International. So uh, it's like a lot of the big places. A lot of the big places have even the Pentagon has yeah. has it. And, and I'm not being brand specific here. I just no. happen to know that. Yeah. You know, well, and, Chicago Siemens got Chicago. Mm -hmm. O'Hare has a Siemens panel, and uh, Boston has what's that other brand? I think Boston has Simplex or yeah. There's else. a there, Simplex is is a is a pretty they're a big player pretty too. big player too. Yeah. And 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 it, but they're but they're like now that I'm neck deep back in simplex, mm -hmm. the way that they network things and the way that they, that I say, say they, but we, the way that we, we tie things together is not nearly as complicated mm -hmm. as, as a three, but it also limits you on, mm -hmm. on certain aspects where when I would work with Bryce at PSI and, and he'd say, Oh, I'd say, well, I want this to do that. And he'd go, oh, okay, well then, you know, you could see him working out, working out how mm -hmm. the rules and then I'd look at him, write the rules. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I mean, you have to know the language that yeah. this thing is in, and that it, and with us, it was just it was just a matter of, of of you know putting putting a device in a list or a custom control program, and that's it. Oh, kind of like correlations or something. It, it's super simple. It's like oh, it's no. like the way that they make it, uh, especially the newer program. The older ones not as quite as intuitive. The newer programs are are really quite intuitive. And mm -hmm. like today, I was working on one where, you know, I'm, it seems simple, but I'm going to take this node that's here and I'm going to run points in this other node and then this other node's just going to carry the points it doesn't it doesn't know it's not going to really control them it's going to control them for mm -hmm. this node you know and and that all that that interconnectivity that you can do now with mm -hmm. these fire panels is really really cool mm -hmm. but you know when you look at something where you're doing you know voice and mm -hmm. uh, you know risers and stuff like that and and we have um addressable NAC systems, which mm -hmm. is yeah, Simplex is one of the only companies that it, put out addressable are. NAC systems, and that is its own, you know, monster. And I take my hat off to the guys who are programming that. I, I work with a guy named Ralph from Simplex who is who is just like, I mean, I watch him go through it, and, you know, what he, yeah. just like you. He, he's like you, only in the Simplex world. Yeah. And it's like, 
you know, I, I get, I, I get the sense that, you know, this guy's forgotten more about what it takes yeah. to make these things work than I'll ever, I'll ever get, you know? Yeah. So, so I try to kind of glean what I can. And, well, and kind of back to the evolution when they first dropped me at the site and, you know, I, I had to sign the NDA at mm-hmm. Intel, so I can only talk about certain things, but that when, little tiny chip manufacturer, yeah, the little, little, little itty bitty yeah, baby yeah. one out there, but, um, it won't be anything that violates that. But basically, when I first started out there, we had 17 panels on one of their systems, mm-hmm. and you had to carry the computer to each one of the panels to do the. There was no downline downloading like now. Right. Yeah, it was Rev 1.1. We're on Rev 5.4.2 now, I believe. So I've watched this thing morph, <clears throat> and that one system that used to only have 17 panels has roughly 49 or 50 on it. Yeah. Uh, when they sent me to the airport, I had 22. Now we're up to 56. That, that's a, the, both of those systems are massive. They're, they're massive. They're just massive. Um, so and they do an enormous amount of work. And, and they, they carry, and they, there's a lot of lifting, a lot of heavy lifting that people don't realize that's happening behind the scenes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, smoke control and, and things like that, that, mm-hmm. you know, besides audio and, and, oh, and yeah. the standard fire alarm stuff, there's also, uh, I mean, well, uh, there's life safety. We're, we're, yeah, we're shutting down air handlers. Uh, we're mm-hmm. making sure the doors are supposed to close, close. Ones are supposed to open, open. Um, and all that's by those rules. Right. And uh, we actually, uh, me and two other guys at, at the other company came up with a labeling scheme for the EST system. Because uh, what I found ironic is I go to the class, the first thing is say, we don't use addresses, we use labels. Like, well, all the A&Es use addresses, so what are mm-hmm. you thinking? And then what's an A and E? Architects and engineers, okay. um, specifiers for that actually mm-hmm. design the systems before we get there for plans and specs, not uh, disaster. I mean, design build, disaster build, <laughs> disaster. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, so I go to this. That's going to be on a T-shirt. I know, right? I do disaster builds. Yeah. So EST says to me at the class, every label's got to be unique. And so first thing I do, being me, I go well. It's easy. You got a hard-coded address. Why don't you use that? Oh, we don't use addresses. So first thing I did when I got back is, to heck with them. Right. Because, you know, they would tell us to label something like um, office smoke detector one. Well, <laughs> you have 42 characters to deal with. So now you've burned up office smoke detector one or even SMK one. That's four characters. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking most hard-coded addresses at maximum were uh, six digits. I'm trying to save space All that in my program. Sure. So that I can call out things specifically, and most of the time, I, we don't use address. But sometimes you do, like when you're going going to drop a deluge system, mm-hmm. you don't want anything else in that entire system of up to sixty five thousand points to drop that deluge except the one or two things you want it to do. So that's got to be. So unique. you call out that whole label, that whole structure, mm-hmm. so that this and that happen, drop the deluge. No accidental oh a smoke so, over here. So for the for the listeners who who don't, if you've worked on a on an analog addressable system, and I'll pick on Simplex, uh, you know you set the addressing and it matches what's in the database. And if you have a bad detector, then you change out the head. And if the base is and the base carries the the addressing, yeah. where some companies have the EST, addressing the, in the head. The head carries but it, But yeah. in EST, the address is, comes out of the factory. It's like a MAC address. It isn't mm-hmm. a MAC address, but it's like a MAC address. Serial and number. so it's it's a serial number that's unique to that device, and it will always have that serial number. And so if I go to change out, so if a smoke detector in this room goes bad and on an EST3, if I pop it out and pot, put a new one in, automatically it, addresses. It rewrites the that address in into the program, and you don't and have to do anything. You don't have to do anything unless you take two down at the same time. Then you're then you're, you're got stepping some on yourself. Then you're stepping on yeah. Then you're got some trouble. So so the so you know every manufacturer and and if I look at the way that that um, you know Gamewell does theirs mm-hmm. or Honeywell does theirs with the you know maybe the rotary switch rotary or, switch of, and decimals up to three digits of decimals mm-hmm. and then. Simplex does there's binary, but the least significant bits on the left and mm-hmm. not on the right, and you know, yeah, and then and then you oh I burn these in and with Siemens I burn them in I get up with the double yeah. EEPROM burner and same thing with mm-hmm. Hoshiki heads yeah. on on uh, silent night equipment, you know everybody's got their own little unique identifier and I worked on on a for a, a, on a Fike system that had the Eclipse protocol which was mm-hmm. a system sensor put this mm-hmm. thing out where the where the actual heads carried the programming. Oh, themselves wow. at what they were going to do. And it was point to point. It was peer-to-peer networking. So you would program this head, and if you needed this door to open or close, it it had the knowledge. The The fire panel was just another peripheral on the line. It didn't know oh, what wow. it was doing. It did. 
Yeah, it was great if you installed it and you knew what you were doing, but if the program <laughs> didn't need to reside in the fire panel, it resided in everything's head out there. So when one awesome. went bad and you didn't have a competent program, uh -oh. then here you are scratching your head going, well, I don't understand. Well, what the devil's what the devil am I doing here? Yeah. So, you know, every manufacturer kind of has a little unique they sort of, of, and, and Edwards has happened to have. Yeah. I, I've told people this is that, you know, uh, you and Morris are the two top integrators in, in the country that I'm aware of. And if you guys don't know that, that, that literally there's two people in the Edwards world that aren't working for the headquarters that really know what what you guys know. And that, yeah. that's because you've integrated some of these larger systems. Yeah, and Morris was my go-to guy. I don't know what I'm going to do when he retires in 800 days, but I guess. No, but he's, he lives in like Missouri, right? Yeah. Uh, East of the Mississippi? Uh, Lenexa, Kansas, I think. He lives by my dad. Okay. My dad lives in Burlingame, Kansas. Because I tell everybody that, that yeah. east of the Mississippi, it's Morris, or west of the Mississippi, it's you. Yeah. But I don't know if he actually lives east of the Mississippi or not. Yeah, but no, he does. He's, you know... Um, very smart individual. I yeah. mean, just, and he took to it too. It's just, I mean, because I didn't follow him because he's at DST, but he and I worked together at Siemens. I've known, oh, I didn't know I've known the man 30 years. Yeah. And uh, I mean, he's just a wonderful human being, uh, very sharp, always been there. Uh, I've never actually talked to him, but I've heard his voice on mm -hmm. the phone. Yeah. Before I'm like, yeah, oh, he's, that's what Morris sounds like. Yeah, he's a big man. I thought he'd be like a cat, but that's no, totally No, he's actually a big man. Um, Is he? Yeah, he's, I mean, he's getting littler, but he's uh, like six, four or five. Well, I don't want him to come out here and beat me up. No, no he wouldn't. He's, 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 he's a gentle <laughs> giant. I mean, just sharp. But yeah, so the programming, I just took to it. it mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, the, the voice and the other things. And then... I said, me and the two other guys, we came up with a set of standards to do mm -hmm. the labeling. And once we did that, oh man, programming got so much easier. And I brought that to just about everywhere I've worked. Um, I did the VA hospital up on the hill. Mm -hmm. Converted that when I worked for another company. And I went in there and they had coders. Remember coders? Mm -mm. Okay. Um, <laughs> tell this story, Sean loves this one. When I was in grade school, Edgemont Elementary in Salt Lake City, Utah. Mm -hmm. Our fire alarm system consisted of, it looked just like a jump rope hanging down from the ceiling and you had a blackboard at each station and it would have the hash marks of how many times you're supposed to pull the cord like Morse code. Ring, 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 ring. Really? Pause. And they taught you how to do that when I was in grade school. Oh, so that's what you coded to tell the central state or the No, the it was just local. It was just oh, local. It was just local. So it'd ring the bells out many times. Yeah. yeah, so this door was dot, dot, dot. Okay, yeah, and, now, and so now we, what you mean by the, the, the school was built like an X. The center was the cafeteria and the gym, mm -hmm. and then you had wings. Uh, I didn't know you had to manually pull the string. You had to manually pull it. Now, the principal had the what we called the egg beater. He could punch <sighs> in the number, and it automatically sent it out, and it was, again, like a little probably code wheel inside the mm -hmm. thing. Um, but that's literally what we did. So coders are you take either a single stroke bell mm -hmm. or chime, in this case it was chime, and they literally would have a code wheel. So yeah. Like the VA, okay. different floors had different codes. Like in, in like if a second floor, they all started with two because mm -hmm. of second floor. Third floor on up and mezzanine, they make a exception for that and figure that one out. So I went in there and I had to program a coder in an EST3. That's weird. Only, only time I've ever done it. But I talked to the electric shop and the people that were there, and I said, well, here's the thing. I said, here's what my program looks like, and what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to give you this spreadsheet. It has 42 little boxes, characters. You fill in what you want me to call these areas. Oh, nice. That's the message. I said, this part's programming land. You don't have any say-so over here. That's mm -hmm. what I use to make your system do what you want to do. But here's your 42 characters. And they loved it because nobody had ever talked to them like that before. Nice. And so they had things like B1 and 11. They, they had all these secret codes meant nothing to me. Mm -hmm, but everything to them. Everything to them. Yeah. And because I did that, at that time, we got another $15,000 project to have me rewrite the other buildings. Oh, no kidding. To that code. Nice. So I just got in there and I changed all the messages and they went back during their annuals and they reconfigured it. So that's so so you see when you bring something to the table that is a good idea that mm -hmm. is useful, mm -hmm. right? People pick mm -hmm. up on that. They pick up on that. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't remember what the company did for me, probably not much because I don't work there anymore. But um, you know, but still that's just how I, I approach my job. I own it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, and and 
you know, so I'd, I'd left Siemens after a bit and went to this other company, did that, and then I went back to Siemens. So I kind of was on a revolving door plan at Siemens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got, basically, I ended up at the airport because I was going to go out there and help with the program for about six weeks. And, you know, two years later, I was out. <laughs> uh, they took a kid fresh out of school with zero experience. Mm-hmm. That was the mentality back then. And they had him program the airport with what they told you it. And it seems like, like that's a... Yeah, and it's like, no, you can't use the labels. The message equals label. They te- they used to teach you that at Edwards. They don't anymore. Mm-hmm. They don't, you know, message does not equal label. And a lot of our <laughs> listeners probably don't know what that means in, in the in the yeah, scheme of things. You. But the, if you're an EST guy, you'll know exactly what that means. Right. But if you're, if you're a simplex monkey like me, you're like going, we? <laughs> yeah, so you have the... You know, the label is the part the program recognizes. The message is the part that the customer sees. Yeah, so the message is what pops up on the screen yeah. and says, The label this is what is allows fire. the machine to do the work and drop the doors. So when you, you call out a label, like uh, one of the things we did is we, we always said, give a building identifier, uh, device type, and then your hard-coded address, and put suffixes. And we made nice. up, and, we, and, and I have that list. I think I even sent it to you when I came to work. And, you know, like AHU is air handler unit mm-hmm. and, and the thing neat about EST programming, they have this thing called numerical sequence and some other qualifiers. And you can literally, if you use the end qualifier, you can use, like you can say HU1, mm-hmm. and then on the output relay, you call it HU1. And then you put this N in the string for the rule, mm-hmm. and it matches them. Right. And you can do that from 1 to 32,250. So, it so it's easy to write. The rule. Like bypasses and rules and stuff. Yeah. Because I know that the wildcards, because in, in programming language, you can use these wildcards, the asterisks, right. and it'll it'll pick up everything past. Right. But they're not your friend. But Right. They're your, they can be your frenemy if you don't do them exactly. right. Exactly. Which, which, which blew us away, because cause in most systems, if I put a bypass on, you know, like in a simplex system, it usually goes to a list, and we mm-hmm. have a list of devices, and whatever you put in that list is, is what can be bypassed, no matter what. Yeah. And then, but in Edwards, it can be based on a qualifier or a wildcard, okay. and if it's not written right, like if you make one mistake in your syntax, then everything's bypassed except this one little tiny mistake that still works great, except it won't you, bypass now, and then you hit that point and boom. Boom, exactly. It, it goes off. So that so that's where that's why I say that, that, that if you can learn how to code, because yeah, everything, what I'm trying to teach my students is that everything is based on PLCs. I, mm-hmm. No matter what you do in this industry, you're yeah. going to be programming and working on a PLC. And yeah. there's no way around it. And so it yeah, doesn't... It's to, all computer it's now. It's all computer now. There's no way to get away from it. Yeah, uh, that's we saw that coming. A couple of us older... Well, it wasn't older then. I was in my 40s. But you know, we, we, we embraced it because we knew, you know, like when I said, when I started, you had four wires. You know, you yeah. had your plus and minus, your ground and your shunt on a McCullough. You're done. You yeah. had four wires. Simple. I mean, all the wires when I started were black, 16-gauge TW insulation, which nicked real easy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so yeah, back to the programming thing. That numerical sequencer helps not do what the wildcard does. Oh, because okay. it's it's like if you have ten air handlers, you just write it for ten. Okay. If you have hundred, and then unlike what Edwards would teach in the old schools was less is better. Sometimes more is better. Because mm-hmm. remember, NFPA says if you start messing with the program, and you're touching things, right, and you have one of them great big sequencers that's a hundred long, and you mess with that. Now you might be messing with a hundred air handlers, and that can yeah, be bad. And that can be really bad. Uh, very expensive. Yeah. So uh, there's that balance. You know, everything's a balance. Yeah. You know, and so um, that's anyhow. That's that's how I got dropped into some of those things. And so I just when you got a, when did you get your nice at four? And when uh, there's a story on that too. Yeah. I I. Uh, when I worked for Robert at ESL, he was pushing everybody nice at. So I, he sent me to a nice at prep class because back then you had to do it on pen and paper mm-hmm. with the elements. And if you did not set up your test right, you wouldn't pass. Yeah, I remember that because I had to sign up for extra elements that I didn't need yeah, just and, so I had and, time and, to get the elements right. I did. And yeah. so, but to get a nice at two, you had to sign up. I mean, you had so many core elements, there were no extras. So this guy figured out a way and he taught this class. So you, set your elements up right. And so I took the class, I set my elements up, and ironically, because I'd worked at ADT and the test was based on McCullough circuits, Oh. Um, I'm what 
one of fifteen percent. I passed it the first go. You passed NYSET for the first no, time. NYSET oh, two. NYSET two. And and yeah. that there's eighty five percent fallout rate on that. Yeah, because I didn't. Because the lady the lady called me and says, "Oh my God, you're one of your your fifteen yeah, out of a hundred. Incredible. I passed thirty three of thirty four elements, and I aced thirteen of them. Whoa. So what happened was, is I took the test. That's really good, Gary. I went in, and before the lunch break, I had all the questions, but about 25 answered. Nice. Took lunch, of course my brain was mush. Came back, answered the 25, then I went through all the ones that I wasn't sure. Mm -hmm. And then and that, that's your strategy for taking yeah, that test at the right, time. Right, and they yeah. taught me that. I had never, you know, I hadn't been to college or anything. I'm just mm -hmm. school of hard knocks, kuma laude, you know. But then that was the decline because I was one of the most um, level twos with the most past credits and was mm -hmm. not a three or a four. It was a decline because uh, the one that busted my chops was 35002 shop and riser diagrams. Mm -hmm. Elements <clears throat> had nothing to do with either. It had to do with AIA stuff. But I remember I worked What's for- What's AIA? Uh, American Institute of Architects. Okay. Architects, yeah. Sorry. Once again, the, we're going back. Yeah, to we the, do the TLA the stuff, the three-letter yeah. acronyms. Yeah. Sorry about. It. Good. It's right. Thanks for catching mm -hmm. me. So, I couldn't pass that for love or money. Could not pass that element. Thirty-five double two. Every other element, I had like. Need, and you need that one to pass. I need that one to be a three and a four. And I finally, I basically said to heck with it. Don't care. I'll be the highest decorated two. Probably affected my paycheck all those years, and I didn't get my four. Hmm. And then I went to work for Convergent, <clears throat> and my boss, Mario, awesome guy, encouraged me to, you know, quit with the attitude and just do it. So I, I love Mario. Yeah, so, he was so good. <laughs> so I, I did, and uh, I eventually passed my four. Uh, I passed yeah. thirty-five double o two, barely passing. Mm -hmm. I mean, barely, but I got a pass. Got, got my it. four. Nice. And then I hated that so much when NYSET put out the call for test writers, I volunteered. Oh, okay. Well, I forgot to ask you that because you yeah. sit on a couple of code committees too. Yeah, I sit on uh, 101 Technical Committee Detention Centers. <laughs> I know, right? Never been to one except for work. And uh, I went back to NYSET five times when they went to computer-based testing. Nice. And, you know, you hear the grumbling about how much NYSET test costs. Mm -hmm. I know why. They fly 15... SMEs back there to write these tests. I mean, subject matter experts. Thank mm -hmm. you. Um, gosh, I've, you should I, be in the military and use acronyms because 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 I, I could when I was in the Navy I could spit out acronyms like my son does no it. He's knew, in the no Air Force. Knew what I was yeah. talking about, I'm like you know. I'm glad you're keeping me on. So anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was back there five different times wow. writing tests. It was a heck of an experience. Yeah. Heck of an experience. So. Uh, so you sit on codes, you sit on code committees, and you mm -hmm. teach for uh, you teach for us. And mm -hmm. for those of you who don't know, uh, Gary teaches fire alarm along with Michael Baker and uh, me sometimes. Uh, I've uh, uh, super happy to have you teaching. Thank you. And and me like backing out and just doing because I'm just going to do basic trades and specialized controls and yeah. until. Uh, unless I'm needed to go in and do a fire class. But, yeah, I, um, I think I signed up to do codes too, but I didn't want to take with my circumstances. I, yeah. I didn't want to do two classes yet, maybe next term. Yeah, maybe maybe next term. But yeah. uh, but I, I would love to get Baker here mm -hmm. on the other side of the, yeah. of the table because he, he brings... He's he's just like you. He's yeah. just like Sean. Yeah. You know, I, I'm I'm not I'm not intentionally grabbing everybody from PSI, but since I worked there for five years yeah. and and know all these, you know, we hired all these these these, you know, powerhouses that I want to get you guys recorded before. Uh, I appreciate you know, it. Things go on. Well, I really appreciate you coming in tonight. I appreciate you asking me. That's uh, I, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it just seems like I just told stories, but my class, one of the kids told me, yeah, keep telling your stories, old oh, guy. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a critical part. The, the yeah. way that you interface with people is, yeah. is unique. And it, it's, it's in, in, my, in, in all my years of teaching, I want to be, I, I want the student to be comfortable with what I'm telling them. Mm -hmm. And I want them to want to learn what I have to tell because right. my stories are interesting and because I have yeah. seen, like you, I've seen a thousand things mm -hmm. and I've, you know, I've been in process places. I've, you know, I've been in, in oh, I was almost know, electrocuted on the job once. Literally. Well put, really? Yeah. Tell us that and then we'll close out on that. Okay. So I was working on a new machine. I can't say where, uh, but <laughs> it was a hurry up, get Your her done. business as you do. <laughs> right. And uh, there was a, 
motor starter. Mm-hmm. Oh, shut down. Oh, serious, serious yes. voltage. Yeah. So it was 480. Yeah. And we'd done a workaround and everybody signed off on it. Me, mm-hmm. the general, Mario, uh, everybody, the client, can't say who. And all of a sudden, this three-wire electrician, what's this stupid half-watt doesn't know he's doing? He took the interposing relay out and oh. wired the 480 contactor direct to the signature module. Yikes. So I had to watch all these. So signature module, for those of you guys who don't know, is, tiny is a little tiny relay. And I mean, this thing's like an inch and a half by an inch and a half Correct. by three quarters of an inch. And thick. it'll it's carry tiny. a half of amp, yep. 24 volts. That's all lucky. it carries. That's all it carries. Or no, two at 24 and a half amp at 120, resistive. Right. So I'm in there and I, you know, I used to wear a wedding ring because my wife liked it. It was sized extra sure. big so I could take it off, put it in my pocket because I didn't always work in panels. So we're testing it, chunk, 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 everything's great. One last test at this client. Had to test it till it breaks. Okay, fine. So we had to watch all these safety videos, and I take the cover off the 8x8. Eight eight. Mm-hmm. I see my wedding ring on my hand. I'm ah, this will be quick. And then I remember that Joker, Charlie, in the video going, I've done this a million times. Okay, I'm taking the ring off. I took the ring off, put it in my pocket, grabbed that wire, and it had a hair on it. It was a 12-gauge, mm-hmm. stranded. And that hair drug across the back of my hand, and I'm like, holy so That's one sh-. single phase of 480. Which is, one what, two, 277 to ground or whatever, but it, it, it went from my elbow to the back of my hand, and then I'm like, I've got a tiger by the tail. What in the devil wow. am I going to do? And this module's a quarter inch off the back plane of that can which mm-hmm. is ground mm-hmm. and a 12 gauge wire barely fits in those terminals it's yeah. listed for it but i mean if every hair is not right and i'm like how oh. so i finally got it back in i said hey we got to stop the job we got to get an inside wireman get this off you're going to blow up a forty thousand dollar panel yeah, yeah. and my client's like dude you could have been fried and then the, as we would say the fecal matter hit the oscillator <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're okay. But yeah, I, I called the wife, so, told her I loved her, so said kids, I almost widowed this is, you. This is why we take our wedding ring, wedding rings off. When yes, or wear those rubber ones. All right. Well, thank you, Gary. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Half Watt Podcast. We always want to hear from you, and we encourage you to email us at halfwattpod at gmail.com with questions or even your own stories. Funny, crazy, or praiseworthy, we want to hear it all. You can follow us on Instagram at halfwattpod to stay up to date on our feed. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and share us with a friend the best way to help us grow. The Half Watt Podcast is a production of Now Hear This Studios.